Pokey, the jug, porridge. Yes, along with Alexei Navalny, we're all going to prison. Hello, I'm Mark Galliotti, and welcome to my view of Russia in Moscow's shadows. This podcast, of varying length, frequency and format, yet always reassuringly low production values, is supported by generous and perspicacious patrons, who also receive extra perks and bonuses appropriate to their tier. If you'd like to join them, just head on to patreon.com slash inmoscowshadows. But now, on with today's programme. Hello and welcome to what will actually be just a one-act In Moscow Shadow podcast, driven by the fact that we've got the news still unconfirmed that, well, we knew that Navalny has left Matroske Tishina prison in Moscow on Etap. It's worth just stopping. It says something about the Russian penal system, that it has a whole vocabulary of its own, including Etap, in other words, for prisoner transport convoy, Etapirovat, to go between prisons usually in the railway transport, still known as Stolypin wagons, back from Peter Stolypin, Prime Minister, 1905 onwards. Admittedly, these are no longer the Stolypins of the the Gulag years. Railway cars which are actually built with essentially sharpened metal rakes underneath, so that if a prisoner managed to prise up the floorboards and drop down onto the track, they would not be going anywhere. No, we're fortunately in slightly less sanguine times. And given that, by all accounts, Navalny's only headed about 100 kilometres away from Moscow, so he might have even gone in a van. How very modern. So the, the suggestion is that he is now headed to Vladimir region's IK2. It's a penal colony number two in the township of Pokrov. As I say, it's about about 100 kilometres away from Moscow, not at all far, and that's part of the idea, because, of course, they might well be wanting to return him to the city for future court appearances, given that they certainly are are not going to let go of him. So what I thought I'd do is just talk a little bit about IK2 in particular and what Navalny might be facing, and some of the, the challenges also for the authorities about sending him here. Because whereas Matroska Tishina, and particularly the, the bit of it in which he was, which is essentially a FSB-controlled prison within a prison, known as Kremlin Central, um, but anyway, that a location in which Navalny could absolutely be kept under very, very tight control. But now he's heading to a general regime penal colony. And by the way, penal colony, I mean, this is a trouble. People have a tendency to think of that immediately as gulags. We're not quite at that point, but it's, it's a, essentially a barracked prison camp. And it's one that is specifically for male inmates on their first convictions. It has a maximum establishment strength of 794 inmates. In, it has to be said, from the sound of it, rather cheerless circumstances, but nonetheless not by any means the sort of the worst that the, 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 the Russian prison system can provide. It's not one of these very, very grim maximum security blocks such as the infamous Black Dolphin, where murderers, terrorists and cannibals are kept in extraordinarily sort of tight conditions, even being kept in a stress position, bent over with their arms behind their backs and shackled, 
when they're moved around the place and only granted one hour a day in which they can wander around in a thoroughly barred over exercise ground. Thank heavens for the smallest of mercies, but that it's not. And it's interesting because this particular camp is clearly one that they do use for political prisoners. It's the place where the nationalist Dmitry Dyomushkin and also the uh, liberal activist Konstantin Kotov were both sent. Because as I said, it's not just another IK. It has a reputation as being a, a pretty tough uh, system. But above all, it's one that's under tight state control. This is a so-called red prison. There's this definition. Red prisons are ones which are basically controlled by the authorities, whereas so-called black ones are ones in which actually it's the criminals that really still hold sway behind the, the high walls and, and the razor wire. No, this is definitely a red one. So while it's not a serious maximum security prison, and indeed, I mean, he could have been sent, for example, to T1, which is uh, Vladimir Central, which is the uh, the region's top security and, frankly, really rather notoriously dangerous and harsh regime um, prison. So he wasn't sent there, but nor was he sent to one of the region's labour colonies, which actually get the most complaints. I mean, actually, if anyone is interested, along with T1, that will be uh, the regional Caesar 1 and IKs 3, 5 and 7. Obviously something to do with the odd numbers. So he wasn't sent to one of those. But he is sent to one in which there is actually a very, very clear distinction between different elements of the place. I mean, it's a labour colony, which means that it's barracked, with generally people in you know, sleeping and, and, and living in groups of anything from 20 to 50 inmates. And they, they sleep together to an extent they, they will work together. There's a fair number of informants and trustees in each barracks block. There's uh, compulsory uh, education classes for anyone under 30. Those over 30, including Navalny, can choose to do so. They can also take uh, technical qualifications if they want, and, and they will be having to, to work likely during the day. And even attend to their own spiritual welfare. There's now a, a chapel to the holy new martyrs and confessors of Russia, which actually, in an interesting and secular way, one could say Navalny fits into as well as a Muslim prayer room. This is nothing short of the new multi-confessional Russia. The interesting thing is, I mean, this is an environment in which were Navalny just mixed in with, with the rest of the inmates, he would have quite a chance to, to mingle, to talk to people, to also access the illegal cell phones that are still very, very much widespread um, within pretty much everywhere within the prison system. He would have all kinds of chances to get the word out, because even if he wasn't being allowed to send emails or send regular postal messages or meet his lawyers, you know, the point is the people he's talking to would have such opportunities. It's a lot harder to basically censor uh, a camp full of hundreds of people, especially when they will from time to time be meeting their, their family, meeting their lawyers, and in due course, actually being released. So, one way or the other, what was happening to Navalny, what Navalny was thinking, what was he was feeling and so forth, the word would absolutely get out. But, that's the regular sections. But then there's also section five. 
Section 5 is a much more specialist unit. It's Section 5 where they send, for example, especially serious criminals. And it's worth mentioning this point about the fact that uh, this is uh, an IK specifically for first-time offenders. Well, that's true insofar as it goes, but the Russian system only counts sentences served within Russia. So what we do tend to find is there's a certain number of people who actually have committed crimes and been to prison in other countries and then fall foul of the law in Russia. Well, they still count as first-timers. So that these sort of people, the more troublesome, troubled and violent individuals, tend to go into Section 5. But so too do the politicals. This is, for example, where, I mean, Dyomushkin talks about quite horrific experiences there. By all accounts, it's improved slightly since his days, where he talks about a lot of beatings and violence and so forth. But nonetheless, this is a very, very tight regime. Much harder conditions, first of all, but also far, far greater levels of surveillance being conducted on the inmates all the time, both by the system, cameras, warders, and also by informants and, and trustees, and often actually an attempt to isolate people either physically by putting them in solitary, or else by just simply making it clear that no one ought to be talking to this person, or that if they do, this will always be, be noted down and monitored. So actually, you know, unfortunately, Section 5 does provide a potential location where they could put Navalny, especially, and again, this might be part of the significance of them having previously declared him an escape risk. It gives them more of a justification for doing that. And in these circumstances, he will be facing, likely, much, much tougher conditions. Again, to, to cite Jomushkin, uh, I mean, he talked, for example, about essentially being treated to sleep deprivation, which is, let's be honest, torture, in which you are you know, regularly woken up at night. And the thing is that when you are um, sort of ad addressed in this way, you actually then have to recite your name, your full sentence, the terms in which you are, you are convicted and so forth. Now, he said that after a certain point, you, you get used to the fact that your sleep is going to be interrupted every hour or whatever. But still, in the interim time, that's not going to be fun. So this means that you know, Navalny is likely to be in conditions which are, I mean, for me, I'm thinking pretty horrific. He seems to be made of fairly stern stuff. I think it sounds as if it's going to be bearable. But above all, the intention is to keep him in a position in which he cannot really communicate that much with the outside world. And it's worth mentioning that this is something that, that has been noted by uh, human rights advocates, is that whereas into a lot of the Vladimir region prisons, it's relatively straightforward for lawyers to get access. They might have to wait for about an hour or so just while the, the formalities are sorted, but you know it gets done. IK2 in Pakrov, on the other hand, I mean, they're talking about, you know, delays of, of five hours or just sometimes not even being allowed to at all for reasons that might be technical or they because they're disciplinary or one way or the other. They basically try and, and keep you isolated. So this is the circumstance. However, it's worth sort of concluding by, by looking at sort of some of the other side. First of all, look, Navalny is presumably, one hopes anyway, going to be f the subject of a hell of a lot more attention as to precisely what is happening to him. Is he getting access and so forth? And in particular, look, this is something the West could be doing 
And, you know, we're, we're looking for ways in which actually, rather than the, the big headline things of sanctions, which you know, rumble on their way, but if the, if the European Union's recent response is anything to go by, we shouldn't be expecting that much from the West overall. Well, OK, that's fine. But if we try and look beyond that, one of the things the West can be doing is exactly being much, much more assiduous in through its diplomatic missions and such like, actually trying to find out what's going on with Navalny, publicising the news and such like. Likewise, and this comes on, as I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast is fully aware, the controversy about Amnesty International that uh, managed to first declare Navalny to be a prisoner of conscience, then revoke that admittedly rather specific status to a considerable extent because of an orchestrated campaign by either the Kremlin or, shall we say, Kremlin-affiliated, Kremlin-sympathetic and Kremlin-adjacent voices. Well, OK, this is, this is your challenge, Amnesty International, if you, if you want to try and make up for this and you claim that you think it's absolutely inappropriate that Navalny is in prison for his political opinions, fine. Well, you could actually take up his case very, very, uh, again, I don't necessarily want to use the word aggressively, but let's say assiduously. So that's the first thing. The second point is Navalny is going to be under a very, very controlled environment, as I said. Now, the thing is, if anything happens to him, and that anything could be a fellow inmate shanking him with a sharpened toothbrush, or him catching drug-resistant TB, which is, alas, still dangerously rife within the Russian prison system, or just simply slipping on an icy pavement. Well, in those circumstances, it's not just that people will rightly consider the Kremlin to be morally culpable, but a lot of people will just not simply believe that it did not happen precisely at the behest of the Kremlin. It certainly wouldn't be the first time, for example, that they have used a fellow inmate as a way of doing violence to someone whom that they felt deserved a really good kicking. So, I mean, in these circumstances, it may well be that, in fact, while the Kremlin is seeking to put extreme amounts of pressure upon Navalny, it will also want to make absolutely sure that it doesn't become too much pressure and that nothing significant, serious, lasting, let alone lethal, happens to Navalny. And in those circumstances, actually being in a highly surveilled, highly controlled environment could therefore perversely be to his advantage. I am, I recognise, scrabbling around for little shreds of silver lining to this particular cloud. And that is, unfortunately, the best I can do for the moment. But I just, I just wanted to put out this uh, a very short, abbreviated podcast. Uh, a proper one will hopefully follow in about a week's time. And as I say, we haven't had confirmed that Navalny has been sent to, to IK2. But nonetheless, it would make sense. It clearly is one of the places in which the Kremlin puts inconvenient political actors whom it wants to both hassle but also muzzle. We'll have to see what happens now. Thanks very much indeed. Well, that's the end of another episode of the In Moscow Shadow podcast. Just as a reminder, beyond this, you can follow my blog, also called In Moscow Shadows. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Galliotti, or Facebook, Mark Galliotti on Russia. This podcast is made possible by generous and enlightened patrons, and you too can be one. Just go along to my Patreon page, that's patreon.com slash in Moscow Shadows, 
and decide which tier you want to join, getting access to exclusive materials and other perks. However, whether or not you contribute, thank you very much indeed for listening. Until next time, keep well. Oh, you, товарищ прав.